0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 214. I am your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There's Phil. Uh, In this episode, we're doing another deep dive into a Star Trek episode. Before we get started with all that, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and do try to leave a rating or even a review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Three Drinks In Pod. You can like us on Facebook and... Comments, compliments, and sponsor offers can be sent to 3 Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to the website and check out our, uh, where you can find a link, rather, to get to our site on Public for all your 3 Drinks In Podcast merchandise needs. They're all there, all the needs. So, yeah, that's it. Mm, okay. You got it this time? Yeah, I got it this time. For those of you who don't know, that was take two of the intro, because I'm tired. It's been a long day. So, anyway, Deep Dive. Now, you picked this episode. We're doing episode, Um, was it, I forget which number it was. It's called Tuvix. <laughs> I'm wondering, what's, like, what's the number of this one? Season two, episode forever of star trek voyager voyager
1: because i didn't want to just sit here for an hour and, and talk about how great ds9 was again
0: yes <laughs> a thousand times we, we haven't had a chance to take a dump on voyager in a while so this is it yeah, so this is season two episode 24 original air date of may 6 1996 oh my god that's so long ago That is a long time ago. Story by Andrew Shepard Price and Mark Gaberman, directed by Cliff Boyle.
1: I mean, when you watch some of these now, some of these actors are dead, which is weird. (laughs) Yeah, some of them are dead. It's it's weird to think about.
0: Is Tom Wright dead? Tom Wright, who played the... uh,
1: No, he's still kicking.
0: What's he doing these (laughs) days?
1: Not not much. (laughs) I mean, he's doing better than Jennifer Lean, but...
0: Oh, God. She, the last thing I saw her in, I think, might have been...
1: Her mugshot?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, that was the last <laughs> thing I saw. I forgot about, Oh, man. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, well, the last thing I saw her in that she got paid to do, I think, was American History X, which also featured, of all things, Avery Brooks, of all things, of all people, Avery Brooks. Hmm. So, I think that was like the last movie he ever made, too, was... He doesn't do a lot of acting. He's a weird dude. Avery Brooks? Oh yeah. Yeah, He's a really weird dude. <laughs> so. So, um, why did you pick this one? I'm curious.
1: Um I mean, I I think it has a really good you know, one of those moral dilemmas that they're always talking about on Star Trek. What a what a wacky sci-fi concept. Um with an interesting outcome. Uh, it also highlights a lot of the problems that the show had in the beginning.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, I would say really throughout, but yeah, in the beginning for sure. Well, you know,
1: uh, it struck me watching it how like better the show became after
0: a while because the first
1: couple of seasons of the show are really tough to watch. And, you know, by this point, I mean, this was 1996, so the, the season before that, with the show started in 95, you know, this was the only show I watched from beginning to end Um, growing up. Like, I I was too little for a lot of the next generation. I wasn't born for the original. And there were chunks of DS9 that I missed, especially the beginning. And then other things, when I watched them, like, went over my head <laughs> because I was kind of young, you know. Yeah. And... And the creators of the show have said before, like for some, a lot of people, not some, a lot, this is their Star Trek. Like Voyager is their Star Trek where the ship goes out and discovers new new worlds and weirdo aliens. Like, you know, by this point, you're not watching reruns of The Next Generation and stuff. That's not happening yet. So this was the only Star Trek that was on, so you watch this one. And, I mean, in some ways that's true for me. It's just unfortunate because it's not the best Star Trek um, and I think these earlier episodes were just like, oh man, <laughs> this is, this is not as good as it's going to be eventually, which is still not amazing. But, you yeah. know, so I wanted to look at these older ones. That way, this is one of the better ones, but you can still dump on it a little if you had to.
0: Yeah, I, I'm looking at my notes, and, you know, I, I had a couple of Negronis by the time I, I turned this on last night. And so I was like, all right, I got a couple of nitpicky things. Um, but then, like, so the note before the big note says, why does Neelix end up in a Starfleet uniform at the end? Like, when they <laughs> do the whole, like... So one of them couldn't be naked, I guess. Well, uh, <laughs> it was weird. Like, they went into the transporter in two, 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 two different sets of clothes. They merged and, like, they made a weirdo outfit as a result, which was like, way so to hammer that one home. Is there plant material in the outfit? Uh, yeah, they really didn't. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we we'll get to that. But like, and then the the next note I have was like a paragraph. <laughs> I'm like, boy, I got so I got through the the episode, you know, being like, okay, yeah, this is there's some interesting moments in it. It's it certainly and it, it, it's conceptually very conceptual. Like it's like it's you know it's it's a br- it's a big broad idea, and that's what Star Trek tends to do w- well. You know, or rather it has the potential to sort of hit the ball out of the park with an idea that's as kind of broad and straightforward as like, what if we took two people and merged them into one? Like wacky, you know, they (laughs) they talk about some episodes that they did
1: that they resisted forever or did to get out of the way. Like when they talked about like there's the one in Deep Space Nine where they shrink O'Brien and Bashir and Dax into like really tiny size And they were like, and I'm, you know, when you read the behind the scenes, they're like, we we put that episode off forever because it's a dumb science fiction concept from like the 50s, you know, like Fantastic Voyage, and we don't do that. (laughs) And they said, like, the only way we can do these dumb concepts is if we have like an interesting way to do them. And they said, like, we kind of blow past the fact that they're that they're shrunk, like we know it's stupid. Just bear with us. You know, and and they did an episode of Voyager where they split Bolana Torres in half. Oh yeah. Where she was like half her her human and her Klingon hat were like we're in two different people.
0: And she played both characters, right? Yeah,
1: and she was yeah. both. And then they did this one where <laughs> let's take two people and stick them together somehow. <laughs> it's like so we know these these concepts are dumb. So how can we star trekify them and make them slightly like it's not so much the fact that you know the plant made them get stuck together. Like we're glossing over the science, and and we're now we're just getting onto the
0: dilemma part. Yeah, and 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 it's funny you bring that up, and it's like that's just the so I forget the name of that episode. Um, where in in DS Nine where they go into the where they, where they where they shrink the 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 three of them Dax O'Brien and and Bashir, but like that was perfect like it was the perfect episode for that kind of a goofy sci-fi thing because it you know it had basically it was it, it, it was a very clear a story and B story I think that's what saved it it wasn't all about the many people running around doing many things or finding it hard to be tiny you know it was there was you know they they set up this ridiculous premise. like, they're going to go into these things and shrink people. But don't worry, it'll be okay. We can just drive back out the way we came in and everything yeah. will be fine. So, like, Science. they set it all up. Like, <laughs> and, like, you'll see him turn to the camera and go, are you with me so far? Like, are you paying attention? We'll be fine by the end of the episode. Um, and But then you have a very serious story where the Dar take over the ship. And that's when you first start to see... Um, a real conflict brewing between the Gemhadar. They were the Gemhadar that were bred in the Gamma Quadrant and then shipped over to fight the war. But they mine the wormhole; they can't get out, or well, they can't. They they can't bring reinforcements through. So they begin to breed Gemhadar specifically for Alpha Quadrant warfare, and the two people don't get along, and so the backdrop to this ridiculous sci-fi concept is this very serious and rather interesting, you know, inter army feud between these two sort of like sub, sub versions of the same species. And it's fascinating. And like, so you have that going on. And then there's a great scene where Bashir and, and, um, (laughs) O'Brien are inside a computer terminal, Trying to physically reroute the pathways to, to give the ship control to this guy, and like they're in like a, and at the same time, they're running out of oxygen. Like they really thought about this. Like, well, if you were this small, and I see this to me is kind of dumb because they're tiny, but they're still visible to the naked eye. Why would they have a hard time in breathing air? Well, they said won't. that
1: the air was too big to breathe.
0: Right. They were saying that they're... But like... But like ants can breathe air. I was going to say, like, yeah, that's... So basically, like, can we make them high while they're in the optomic... The optomic... Tr- the op- Whatever the hell... It was, the forest, he calls it. and An optomic... F- whatever the hell he were. I can't think of the word to use. Optomic. Like, optomic? Obt- I it got the me it? doing it. See? <laughs> <laughs> whatever. When they're inside the, 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 the rainbow computer... Like, can we make them a little bit stoned? No reason for it. It just like someone thought, hey, I mean, either someone like got the science way wrong, or they're like they wanted to find out a way to make it more interesting than it all. <laughs> than it kind of was, and it was like it was goofy. It was all that going on in there. Was was that was a lot of fun? And I don't know. These are the ones you know, like when Picard and Guinan and Roe become kids with the, with the transporter that was pretty dumb like the transporter can lead to some really stupid episodes <laughs> you know some of them are okay like the 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 one where like barkley is afraid to go in there and he has like That's transporter psychosis it's not great but anything with uh w- with barkley i thought was fun and um
1: yeah at least so this like, time it like wasn't the transporter which is what they say. Like the con- the transporter was working fine this time. That's why they're like they're all baffled for the first twenty
0: minutes. They like can't figure out what yeah, happened. They're going like, uh, I guess he's okay. He seems he seems <laughs> relatively normal to us. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, skirt over like we're collecting this plant because it might be good for
0: us. <laughs> I was like, what? That's the reason. Sure. And we're just okay. gonna send two people down there. The two people who don't get along at all—the security have... chief and the cook—I'm <laughs> like, what do they draw straws? Like, how did, they, yeah. how, did, how did these people get aside? Wouldn't it be—I don't know—a bot? There was no botanist on the entire ship. The ship was massive, you know. And they, actually, like,
1: and they say, like, you know, in the hydroponic bay, which means someone somewhere is growing plants. <laughs>
0: Somebody has But he didn't mi- go. <laughs> has to be minding the hydroponic bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so what did you like about this episode? Anything? Um I thought the guy playing Tuvix did a reasonably good job of trying to do this whole like it's very hard to play a Vulcan, and I've I've always been impressed with actors who can do it. You know, um, I can't think of the actor who plays um, Tuvok. Is it Tim? Tim Russ. Tim Russ. Thank you. Couldn't think of his last name. Um, I always thought he was great because he was like full-on Vulcan and he was just like uber-Vulcan. And um, Even Jolene Blaylock, who is not a great actress. Let's just put that out there. Very pretty lady, not a great actress. She did a really good job with it. You know, like, and she, she actually she had a challenging role because she had to play a Vulcan who was like losing it by the end of the show. Like, she didn't couldn't quite have it together, and they, you know, they made her more interesting with with decent writing. And you know, it was she did great. So having to play a character who's that, but also the exact opposite, like it wasn't goofy or weird, and I think. In reading the backstory about the the, the episodes or writing, they initially did a lot of slapsticks type stuff with it, and I actually felt that this could have been funnier. But I was glad that the, that the funny didn't come from the character. Like, it, like the situation itself is weird enough that they could have done more lighthearted things. But well, they tried to with like the cooking, where like you got eighteen people trying to trying to make an omelet. Nobody knows what they do. Like that stuff could have been done better, but the character was—I don't know—it was pretty straightforward. They didn't kind of dwell too much on like making him weird or eccentric or like having multiple per, per, personalities, per, multiple personality disorder. He even says, "I don't have that. I'm one person." And so they they could have gone a weird way weird, weird way with that, and they didn't. So that was that was good. And there was a scene with, <coughs> excuse me, It was a scene with Kes and the captain, which was sort of out of place, but it wasn't bad. And so she, Kes goes to the captain, and this is like, I, I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. Like, I feel like I've lost Neelix, who you never, and you never quite understood their relationship at all. It was just weird and a little bit, I don't know, patronizing like it was just or i don't know what the right words, words but like they had a like almost paternal relationship but it wasn't it was also sexual but not really it was very strange and the whole fact that like they only lived for nine years was like that it just it complicated everything it was a weird weird thing and I didn't like it, and they got rid of her, and thank God, because it was, I mean, she wasn't a bad actress, she wasn't great, but, like, the character was really badly conceived. Um, But she goes to the captain, and she's like, listen, I I, I kind of like this better, because, like, this is, like, a better version of Neelix, but it's not Neelix, and that's upsetting me, and I'm, I'm confused. And the captain really kind of opens up to her in a way that doesn't happen ever again, and Kate Mulgrew talked a lot about that the complaints people had about her character were not her fault. <laughs> they were like, they wrote her like this, and I don't have any control over that. We never, we like they, you know, if Armin Shimmerman was to, to be believed, they never had any contact with the writers. They literally kept them in different buildings. And good writers would take what the actor was doing and make it work for them bad writers, write whatever the hell they want, regardless of what's actually happening, episode to episode. So, here we got a glimpse of, like, the kind of captain she could have been if the whole thing had been done better, and she would have been, you know, compassionate and maternal and, you know, more vulnerable. And, like, this is, like, the one time you ever hear her talk about her fiancé. I can't think of another time she mentioned him until, like, later on when they begin to get information, letters from home and, like, these big data dumps. And he's like, yeah, he's moved on. Oh, well. I was going to say that this is the worst scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a, but, like, it's just different. I mean, it,
1: there are scenes of her talking to Kess like this. All right. I say, okay, so you're right. Unfortunately, Kes was not a good character, and I didn't realize this until, you know, later in reruns when I'm watching it, and the, the writers admitted it too, like, we wrote ourselves into a corner, here's a character, doesn't live that long, and yet she's also supposed to be, like, young, but an adult, and she grows fast, but she's still, like, a kid half the time, so, like, there wasn't anywhere to go with her, she just existed, like, she was just there. And so all of, and all of her relationships were skewed in some odd way. You know, yeah. like, she's a kid, but over here she's in love with this guy. And you're just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. She can't be both
0: of those things. And then her and Paris get together, and Neilus gets jealous. But it's like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, he saw her first. So why, why you know, like it just... And it was also kind of creepy, because if you're talking about her being only nine... Jesus. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know,
1: they made a decision pretty soon after the show started that the Starfleet characters weren't going to change anyway. They were always going to be the same. So that only left like the doctor and Neelix and Kess. And there was nowhere for Kess to go. Like even Neelix had an episode where like, and I liked it. it. was, I thought it was good. Like they were, his whole reason for being on the ship was I can show you through this scary part of space. And then after a while, they had, they did an episode where he was like, I don't know where we are anymore. This is farther than I've ever traveled. So what's the point of me being on this ship? And they did this whole thing where it was like, you know, what exactly is he bringing to this here? And they changed his role into being kind of like, like the nicer version of Cork, like the eccentric cook who gives advice and always has his kitchen open. Okay. Because that's not where he started out as. He started out as like this like guy you always ask for advice in terms of like, how do we get to this part of space? Um, and the doctor was learning to become more of a person, which left Kess out in the cold. So when you see this scene with Janeway, you see why replacing her with Seven and Nine was a good thing, because, like, I have a problem. I'm going to go ask the captain. The captain gives me advice, which is perfect, because she's the captain. I go and I take it. And I'm like, they've done that scene a bajillion times with Jerry Ryan sometimes too many, but they always worked out better because you had a character who like didn't agree with the captain and had her own opinions and sometimes didn't follow the captain's advice. Like sometimes they just didn't get along, yeah. you know? Suddenly you had the captain, I need to explain to you, i.e. the audience, what is happening and what is going on and what is the moral dilemma here? Whereas in this one, she was like, yeah, he's a new dude, I don't know. I guess just, you know... Learn to love them if you can, and she goes. You know, right? <laughs> I'm gonna do that. <laughs> like, where is all the dramatic tension here exactly?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, you, you, I guess that what caught my eye about it was just how open she was about her life, and she's never like that ever again for the well, entire. I mean, they dumped some of, of that show. because, I mean, I know for
1: also reading all the back stuff, like they started getting rid of a lot of that stuff because I think they switched, like they got rid of their showrunner or something. They said Voyager became a dreary, miserable place because all they were doing was talking about going home and seeing people they missed. Like if they don't want to be there, then people watching every week don't want to be there either. So they, they started like getting rid of a lot of that stuff, like oh my my family back home, and I can't wait to see my dog. And they're like no, no no no, you're explorers, go out and explore, you know. Because like I remember Jane, we would talk to Chakotay about stuff like that all the time. Yeah, like, well, she, she made it a point to bring up that she had a fiance. Like all the other captains in the shows, never
0: had anyone like that. She talked about it with him, and that was like the thing is that they 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 weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with her until Jerry Ryan. So, like, she was sort of, like, tough but smart and maternal but distant and, you know, charming but a hard-ass. Like, you can't be opposites all the time. You need to pick a thing. And so they, when they found... When they bring in Seven of Nine, she, she becomes... the 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 maternal mentor and that's her role the only role that's ever consistent throughout is for the most part not great but like is just that like we're going to teach this drone how to be a human again even though she's been a drone since she was like 12 and you know that became an actual developed relationship between two characters that morphed and changed over time and it was difficult, and, you know, it was the only really interesting thing that ever happened on the show. And plus the cat suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> two big pluses right there. All right. Um <laughs> I digress. Uh But so, yeah, like, I like that scene because it just sort of like... I always think back to that, that episode of, of the show where they meet the, the crew that's gone insane, the other starship, or the other Starfleet crew that's gone insane, and they're murdering those like lizard aliens that float in the air. Yeah. (laughs) And like, they're traveling thousands of, and like, that's a great episode for a lot of reasons, but mostly because I would have rather watched that show than this one. I would have rather have watched them kind of go insane and have their ship fall apart and have them lose their sense of who they are. And you, you know, it wouldn't have been a long show, but the fact that they set it up like this was not a big old fancy pants ship. This was like a science vessel. It was a, like, a, like a deep space science vessel that had no business being, uh, you know, by itself. And they were screwed. So what do we do? We resort to cannibalism. Like they just, you know, they do the most inhumane thing possible. And you know, and the like. One of the things I thought I thought that was clever with that was the the crew stopped calling each other by their ranks, like the bad crew. They were like Sam and Max and Betty or whatever her name was, and they were like, "Oh, you've you know, you guys are pretty informal." I'm like, yeah, well, this is, there's not much point of that out here, and some of that informality, some of that change in the characters, was really sort of you know would have been welcome, and you begin to see it with the captain in this scene and Kess with with Kess, and I don't know, I just it reminded me of like there was a whole bunch of uh, of things that were just not explored. Because Brandon Braga wanted to do things about, you know, merging two people into the same body. That's really what this was about. He he ran the show the whole time. He made a bajillion dollars from it, and he no didn't give a fuck. I mean, he all the like the weirdo science ones, like the super heavy duty sci-fi shows from like TNG. They're all him. Those are the and that's fine. Like that has a place here, to be sure, and. Sometimes it works out great, and sometimes it works out just okay or terribly. But like, you you can't you can't all do that. We can't all do big arms. You know, like it's got to (laughs) be you got to mix it up a little bit, especially when you've set up a thing. Anyway, so what'd you like about it?
1: Um, I thought the guest star was pretty good. Um. I did like the decision at the end that they they separated him. Not that you had any doubt that they wouldn't, but like, you know, so much of the episode was kind of boring. And then you got to the last like 15 minutes where he goes, well, I don't want to be separated and again. And he goes, I'm my own person now. And they don't really have a, like a huge debate about it. Like they have a little bit like, well, you know, if you give up your life, you'd be bringing two people back to life who have families and histories and like a you know, like it's a bit more obvious that they should do this, you know, because he's like, Well, what about my life? It's like, dude, you barely have a life. Like, you've got a few weeks and you know us, but, you, you know, it's different for you. Your memories are not the same as your own. And, but that, like, he tries to run away and like fight and like get, like, they have to drag him down there with like, gunpoint and separate yeah. him. And I was like, They usually don't do that on Star Trek. It reminded me of that Enterprise episode where they grow the clone of Trip and they basically oh. you know force him down too. And they're like, look, I'm sorry. We have to harvest part of you.
0: Yeah. You know so, I mean. like, let's talk about that for a minute. Because that was freaking great. That is a great episode. Pray tell why would you say that's a great episode and this is like, eh.
1: I mean they spend more time with the dilemma on that one.
0: You know. Yeah. Where here, it's, it's, here, here it's 20 minutes of like, how did this happen? Like, yeah, it's when a a it doesn't of, really matter how it happens. Right. Like, I look at this one as like the
1: sci-fi concept came first. Whereas with that one, it's how, how do we do a thing about clones and body harvesting? You know, like, let's do the topic first. Right. You know, you also have Connor Trenier is a better actor. <laughs> yeah, like that helps. But but the topic came first in that one and they had enough to talk about. Yeah. You know, like they didn't they didn't have to bring in a guest to like to like be the wrangler, you know.
0: That yeah, so that's that's a lot of it. That's like 40% of it. I would say that the real <laughs> reason that hey, I almost made it to 50. Yeah, I almost but like well I think what gets this over the over the edge is that like it's a choice. Like somebody has to make a choice to like there has to be a sacrifice. And so in whatever the was it cogenitor? No, that's not it's uh can't think of the name of that episode in Enterprise. But but Oh I can't remember. Yeah, whatever. But um but the um sim. Right. right. Sim, All right. So I don't know what it was called. I know that was I the guy's name. I think it was called Sim, but anyway. Um No. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Keep talking. You look it up, keep talking. So like the the thing that has to happen is there needs to be a sacrifice in order for the whole thing to work out. And when Sim decides, like when he starts to realize what's going on, what he's designed to do he begins to fight back, and he's like, no, I can be him, it's, you know, it's fine, and they're like, no, you can't, I need to go save my planet, and you're doing this, motherfucker, and he's, he's like, he's about to leave, he he gets in the shuttle pod, he's like, I'm gonna make a break for it, and he realizes, where the hell am I gonna go? Like, I got nothing, and this is, it's so sad, and he goes into the sick bay, and he looks at the comatose body of his double and he says you owe me one after he goes and makes out with DePaul. like it's just all the thing he lives an entire life and like really lives it there too but then he makes the decision and he says I'm gonna do this for you and you and like you know he says you better not screw it up and that's a really powerful moment where he's looking at someone who can't speak to him and he says like, yeah, I'm sacrificing myself for you. You don't know me and you don't know how good you have it to be alive and you, and you, and you can go get the girl if you want. She's right there. But I'm going to do this and then it happens. The sacrifice here is not Tuvix's because he fights against it. And... I was thinking, like, I wrote, like, what would Jean-Luc Picard do? Like, what would this be if this was a, a different version of the show? And th- that's what it would, be. it would be. You would convince the person to make the sacrifice for the greater good, for the two people, whatever it is. And that that journey becomes interesting. They don't do that here. They just basically kill this guy and get back their their, their friends. Okay. So, so who makes the sacrifice? Janeway. It becomes her sacrifice of her principles, of because she wants to get her crewman back. But how long does that last? Four seconds? They drag him down to sickway. She gives him the hyperspray. They use the transporter. Bob's your uncle. Everyone's back in, their, in the right body, despite the weird, you know, costuming <laughs> mishap. And she walks out of the room and looks sad for four seconds. What's the next episode? It's the episode when her and Chakotay get this mysterious virus. They can't leave a planet. And they had to spend the whole time having some kind of weirdo, pseudo-sexual tension for 35 minutes while the doctor works furiously to find a cure as they're going in the, in the wrong direction. That's it. That's the whole, f- you know, like, this big moment that she could have had where she did this, she doesn't talk about it. She gets a couple seconds at the end of the episode before the credits roll, where she looks down at like her hands or whatever. It's never explored. It's never probed, and they just move on. I mean, I mean, they wouldn't do that with Picard either, though. There would be a moment. There would be a scene. There would be the thing before the credits, where like it happens. You get and he looks back, and then you cut to. You know, a couple of weeks later where she's sad or struggling and then Chakotay comes over and he's like, Captain, are you all right? And she goes, I'm still struggling with this thing I did. And he tells her, no, it was for the best. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe we're changing a little bit. But no, that was the whole thing. Nobody was supposed Uh, to change. Well, they never did that on The Next Generation either. I mean, it was rare. right? But like, they were not poised for it. They were just it was they were still in the regular scenario, wasn't? You know they would pay lip service to change, but you're right; it never really happened. However, in this case, they set them up for this to happen to them, for things to make them different as they travel by themselves, and at every single point, they resisted that. And sometimes it just stands out as awkward as all get out. And that this moment at the end of, uh, at the end of this episode it was just quintessential it was like yeah you did a thing you killed a guy cuz you felt it was more important to get back these two characters than to have this new one and even though you you were pretty sure it wasn't going to, like they were they were pretty confident it was, it was going to work. they kind of set it all up like it won't fail like there could have been more like well it might work
1: i i think it was the i mean the <laughs> fact that he was like resisting and he would like tried to run but i think it was like all of those things like she fights through all that stuff. Like she's determined to to strap him down to the bed, you know, all the way to the point where she goes into the to the medical bay, and the doctor's like, "I can't do this. I can't. I literally cannot do harm by killing a man." And she goes, "Well, give it to me. I'll do it."
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah.
1: She's like, "Yeah, no problem. Hand that thing to me." Yeah. Well, like I think that's the thing. Like, like everyone just stares silently while she goes about this decision. You know, and like that's supposed to be her her moments. I also think it wasn't filmed very well.
0: Like no, the it, first well the
1: first couple of seasons weren't filmed well. I don't know yeah, what like, it
0: was. Everything was flat and boring. Right. Like there was no weight to it. There was no like it was it just everything was just choreographed badly too, you know, he it's just it was wasn't directed well. Like, there's ways to do that scene where he goes to everyone on the ship and goes you you know me, you know, don't let them kill me. Like we we we're, we're good friends now, right? And like that the in theory, this should work. Like there's 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 no reason this shouldn't work. But you know, even if the writing doesn't get better or you know doesn't change a little bit, as a, as a, as a result a, as a result of this, the the scenes that lead up to it should be shot and have enough weight that you it just it feels heavy. It never felt heavy. It was just like yeah okay here you go, boop here you go. Push the button, dude. It just—it was very perfunctory. It Didn't have any kind of gravitas, and what they—they like, were—they relied on the text to do all that work, and there was no there was no score. I don't think at that point, like it was there was almost no no there was no mem- memorable score. I always think of like the guy from Red Letter Media would, would compare the stuff that happens in the Star Trek movies to that one um, episode. I think it was Power Play where Troy and Data and O'Brien are taken over by these non-corporeal prisoners on this planet and they have to go convince the anyway there's a, but there's there's a scene when they're Troy and the two of them are marching their captives down to the shuttle bay to do a thing and just the like the way they shoot them and score the walk down the hallway <laughs> to this you know to to the the cargo bay to do the thing was more dramatic and more interesting than this entire episode like it just the you there's ways to do this that if you know if, if you shoot them right and score them right, they have enough weight on their own, they don't need as much help from the writing and this and this was kind of thin in that regard,
1: yeah, I think they spent too much time. On like the goofy side of him. Like they they spend so much time making him like fun. Like everyone likes him and he, he gets along with everybody. He's a better cook. He's a he's a really good tactical officer. Like they try to integrate him quickly because they they wanna heighten the fact that they have to get rid of him if they're gonna split them back into two. So, like, rather than spend all this time being like, how did this happen? And, oh, I'm as confused as you are. And this might be permanent. Oh, no. Like, then they just jump a- across, like, it's been a few weeks and, he's, you know, he's gotten close to everybody and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he has? Because, I mean, you, you do, like, the montage. And then he has this scene where he confesses his guts to Cass. And I'm like, I don't know. That's, it, it didn't work that well that way. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm, I'm glad that they merged the two, like, quickly, like, in the beginning before the credits. <laughs> like, don't take time doing that either. But, yeah, it was indicative of Voyager's first couple seasons where it was like, we want to do weird sci-fi stuff, but, but we're burdened with not great characters yet. Like, the characters didn't have personalities yet. Like, they were still figuring it all out.
0: I, mean, I would argue that they never really got personalities. Like you, kind of got a personality out of Paris because he was the bad boy. Which, I mean, I don't know Robert Duncan McNeil. He doesn't seem like the bad boy to me. He seems like every Southern California redhead you'd ever meet. Like he just, he doesn't. He didn't seem like the tough guy. He, he did better, I think, as. In, in that ca- the character he played on Next Generation where he was like the frat boy or like the you know the, like the star uh, football yeah. player like the like the jock character who you know just like you know was trying to be big, you know big man on campus and ends up doing something terrible and gets, a, gets somebody killed And that was supposed to be the character. They were supposed to bring that character back for this. And they found him and they agreed to it. And someone said, no, we don't think
1: he'd be. They said no, because they were going to have to pay the original writers of that character every episode he was in.
0: Which is is the real reason. They're
1: like, oh, well, why don't we just give him a new name and cast the same guy? Oh, <laughs> get around I forgot that. Forgot about little. that. Compl- I
0: should I should really re- reread the thing about Voyager because it was that was the most interesting thing to me. Because you know we we have had these opinions about Voyager for you know 20, 30 years at this point, and it was funny reading going yeah I I the, 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 this guy that wrote the show feels the same way that I did and I watched the show and like yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. I think this was that point <laughs> where like
1: because this is late in the second season. But like So by now you should know what you're doing. But like when they first started, they all had like the one personality trait, like like Bolana Torres was the angry one and Harry Kim was the naive one. And then by the end, they're not like that. They're a bit more multidimensional and they, they changed a little because, you know, Seven of Nine forces them to change and, and things like that. But like here they're in this nebulous, like, we're all just hanging out on this ship, you know? <laughs> like, the, the lines could have been delivered by anyone. They yeah. could have been completely interchangeable. And I think that was part of their, their problems. They were like, you know, what are who are these people? You know? And I mean, you're right. Like, they couldn't go so far as to have them start calling each other by their first names. But you have to define them at some point. I mean, even next generation, they don't—they're not people. They were different depending on their jobs. You right. know, Data was the robot. Geordi was the guy with the thing on his face. Worf was the Klingon. You know, Riker was the beard. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, they all perform different functions. Here, their fu- that, that's the thing. Their functions aren't really all that. I mean. So between Tuvok standing on this side of the bridge and Harry Kim sitting on this side of the bridge, what's the difference? Like, Again, yeah, right. Tuvok fires the, 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 the photon torpedoes more. But they both can say things like, you know, scans show that blank. Like that was not something that was unique to Harry Kim. He's the ops guy. Ops is a pretty vague job. You know, like that's one thing they they, they kind of have this one you know like very important thing. But like we need a character on the bridge. He what, what's his job? Uh, he's the operations officer. They actually go into it once in that um, in that lower decks episode when uh, the what's the, Ensign Cito, who ends up getting killed at the end. She talks about being at at ops on the bridge and all the different tasks she had to perform. And it was interesting. I had to help find the lost cats and I had to do this and reroute power there. And like, it was a very difficult job. That's why data does it, because it's hard. And um, so, but like, other than that, you don't know what the hell that guy does. It's just, it's you know, it's a kind of a whatever we need this this, this guy to do. He can just say those lines and then get, get that out. But like, you know, Tom Paris is the pilot, but like, a pilot on these shows, like, that never really made any sense. It kind of makes sense a little bit in Enterprise, but, like, the ship, you know, it's not an X-Wing from Star Wars where you need to have a great pilot to fly it around. You know, they made a big deal about him being a pilot, but at the same time, like, what's he doing? Nothing. Well, like, he makes well, a big deal about the Delta Flyer later on. Like, all of their personalities
1: eventually came through in terms of what they were doing. You know, like... like Next Generation didn't have a pilot. That was like an extra that just rotated. Yeah. You know? But then when these guys had pilots, like the pilot became the one who was like slightly of a bit of a daredevil and like outgoing and and stuff like that. And then... Tuvok is the tactical. He's the one who always says, "I don't think we should do that." And Harry <laughs> <laughs> And Harry Kim is the one who's like the young naive guy who was always like, "The ship's about to explode." Like <laughs> like those became their lines. And if you watch it, that's what they always end up saying in these episodes. You know, but like at, in this one they they weren't there yet. Even the doctor was like, "I'm still playing a hologram. I don't have any sarcasm yet." Like the doctor became this funny, humorous, sarcastic person. But he it took him forever to get there. You know, yeah. like they probably saw so, someone like, Robert, you can lighten up. You're supposed to be imitating a person, even though you're you're a hologram. Like, you're not data. You're not a robot. And he was probably like, okay. Because, like, he's so serious.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. And I like, think smile, he goes. You're a little... supposed to be a doctor. For God. <laughs> we programmed a bedside manner, didn't we? I think he goes a little bit one-note Johnny with it at the end there, but, you know, like, you know, but it, it was mean, better. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, he's hard to watch in this one. It's hard to imagine he's the same guy at all.
0: Yeah. So,
1: the show got better. I don't know. <laughs> it
0: did. It, it, I mean, like, there are some very good episodes of the show later on that I enjoy that have weird sci-fi concepts. We should mm-hmm. find one and do one do a deep dive on <laughs> one of those. You know, cuz I was thinking that 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 one where they get in that like weird aliens like I think they call it the pitcher plant where like it oh, yeah. it mind fucks them all into thinking that things are happening when they're not and that one guy is like Captain Ahab trying to kill that thing. It was weird but like that 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 episode had a great ending. Because they, they, they realize they're in the belly of some kind of galactic life form that's devouring them, you know, from inside. And they break their way out, and they find the guy who led them in there, and he's, he's going back in because like his whole thing is he, he, he wants to kill this thing. And it's telepathically confusing him the whole time, so he never makes any progress. But he keeps doing it. So like the last shot of the episode is him going back and going, I'm gonna do it this time.
1: Oh yeah. Well I mean when you steal from some of the better stories in the world, they're always gonna be good.
0: Oh well yeah. You know, well they could Captain have done Ahab. that. And,
1: <laughs> and the same thing with like with the, the with the guy with the time shift that keeps obliterating people from time. Um Kurt with Kurt with Smith. Yeah. Like those aren't great episodes but the concept of the guy on his own ship who's who's screwing things up that's 20,000 leagues under the sea that's a great story yeah you know like he's the best part of those episodes so you know when you steal from the best it makes it a lot easier yeah no wow. i always like the one where they get stuck and the planet's going way faster than them oh yeah like the like
0: civilizations are rising and
1: falling within minutes <laughs>
0: and they can't get out of orbit that's a good one yeah, it was it, they had a a guest actor on there who was not fantastic. Um like the Asian guy that comes on and like they make their way onto the ship and they're yeah, moving yeah. at like a different rate and it was weird and yeah, no, but like it was I mean that and, and that was actually a throwback to um not so much a throwback but like like who watches the watchers? It was like an early episode of TNG where like that <laughs> basically it was it, it was like the uh insurrection movie yeah, a, you're watching were like people a duck who are primitive yeah but yeah. they did it by accident like they didn't right to. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they they took difference. the same concept where like they like they, they made them like a deity and then but like they went like you know a thousand times faster and by the end of it they were like trying to blow them out of the sky <laughs> yeah they were trying to shoot them down
1: I I never understood that concept like would it Would a Galactic Federation really be spying on people who had barely invented the wheel? Like uh, that concept to me was always odd. Well, it was also came up a lot. They're like, "Oh yeah, we just
0: we blend in and we hide." I'm like, "Why would you do that?" It um it also kind of flies in the face of the Prime Directive, which they talk about all the time. Like they never violated. I go, "Okay, but but there are lots of accidents." Yeah, I mean, first of yeah, spying is bad. We can all agree about that. But also, like, do you need to go down there? Like, there's that great episode called First Contact where Riker is posing as an alien. And he gets, like, injured and spends the whole time in the hospital. And B.B. Newworth shows up and tries to have sex with him for some yeah, reason. Yeah, well, they discover and, he's an alien.
1: Like, you see it from their point of view. Which was great. It was a really yeah. clever idea. So I guess, like, the prime directive says, don't interfere unless you're behind a duck blind or something. Like, that's stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was always a very sort of morally questionable thing to do. And, like, the, what makes it sort of believable is that Picard shows up in, in that episode with, uh, with Riker being injured and says, like, we, you know, you have discovered this technology. And he has a whole conversation and says, like, you know, Preliminary reports tell us that your people would not be cool with us showing up, even though you now have warp drive. Like, this is the the thing you have to do for us to show up. But we weren't going to do this, except that Riker is hurt and I have to go get him. So it kind of makes sense. Like, before you start running around doing first contacts, you want to make sure you're not going to start a war on the planet that you're on. So oh, some reconnaissance is helpful. However, it's, yeah, it becomes, it could have been an episode where they talk about the moral, <clears throat> the moral implications of, um, of spying on people, even though they're doing it for the right reasons, because there's been a number of episodes in their history where like, they just showed up and everything went to shit. You know, like, you know, the, the, the Klingon human first contact didn't go well, you know, according to the various hints they drop and things like that. So, like, they don't want to do that, but at the same time, they're driven to explore. It's it's it's, it's, inter- it, it's a it's a concept that was never really debated in the show, and it's the kind of concept that would have been debated in the show if they had chosen to do that. Hmm. So, I don't know how we got here, but. <laughs>
1: My wife was like, "What are you guys talking about tonight?" I said, "Star Trek." She goes, "Oh."
0: <laughs> well, there's no movies that have come out in the last two weeks. We mo- we skipped the whole week. It's like we like there's nothing coming out. I
1: can't, I can't force them to put things out. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: we'll get to it. But we'll get there. Summer's starting up, so yeah, more or less.
0: All right. Well, if you guys out there have any thoughts about Tuvix or. Voyager or anything of that ilk, you can let us know on, <coughs> excuse me, Instagram or Twitter. We are at Three Drinks in Pod. You can drop us a message on Facebook. You can email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the Tea Public store for our merch. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave us ratings and maybe even reviews. That would be extremely helpful. Anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.